welcome to the Well and Wealthy podcast with your host, Alicia McPherson. today. So I have decided to do a weight loss series where over the next, I think probably five to six episodes, I'm going to be talking about the reasons why we as high-performing women struggle to lose weight. I'm going to talk about the core reasons why I feel like we're not getting the success that we want despite eating really well, despite doing the exercise, showing up to the gym class. Why are we not getting success? So in these short episodes, I'm going to try to make them around 20 minutes. I'm going to talk about hormones, metabolism, our stress response, nervous system, adrenal function. I'm going to talk about detox pathways, our gut dysbiosis, and of course, our subconscious and how that all contributes to this inability to lose weight or gaining weight. So I'm excited to dive in here because today's discussion is all about my favorite, which is the stress response. And I've been working with stress on my own stress. First of all, I, I started to realize it was a core reason why I was not getting weight losing the weight, but then also realizing how important it was for my clients when they were doing everything right. You looked at their diet and you thought, wow, she's eating really clean. You looked at her exercise routine and she was showing up. She was getting the movement in. She was building lean muscle mass. She was doing the things, but not getting results. And when I started to dive in, I noticed this correlation with all of my clients. They were so stressed they were so busy, their lives were so chaotic, and their response to challenges and obstacles throughout their life was from a very triggered, overstimulated, overwhelmed state. So I started to make this connection and dive in to the stress response with my clients and saw significant improvements in how they were able to lose weight, in their hormones, in their mood, in their energy. So I'm really excited to dive into this conversation today. So next six episodes, you can expect to see different conversations on how we as women can lose weight. Now, the second thing I want to share is I am right now at the start of a launch for my seven-day weight loss workshop. And so it is one of my favorite, favorite micro offers that I have seven days where I really dive in and show you how to lose weight, how to balance hormones, how to improve metabolic flexibility. We talk a lot about stress, detox. We talk a lot about a female-specific weight loss program. So I'll leave that in the show notes if you're interested in joining this round. I run it three to four times a year. Um, our next start date is March 2nd. So I'll leave all the details below if you're interested, but let's dive in. Let's talk about stress. I've got my tea. I'm in my comfy my comfy loungewear that I got for my birthday and I'm ready to dive in and have a discussion. So we as women, we tend to wear stress as a badge of honor. Like a lot of my clients didn't even know how stressed they were until I started to point out all the different symptoms and, and how that was actually stress. So we have no idea how stressed we are until we technically feel calm. I knew this was the case for me where I didn't really realize I was running on stress fumes until I was calm again, until I did all the work to regulate. And then I realized, wow, I had been living 
in a chaotic, stressed, overwhelmed mess, and I didn't even know it. So two situations I typically see. One, we have no idea how stressed we are because we we can't compare it to calm. We haven't been calm since we were like 12. <laughs> so we're running on these fumes. We're running in this overstimulated, busy, chaotic life. And it's hard to even notice how fast we're going because everyone around us is also running at lightning speed, trying to accomplish all the things that they have to do. They're running on stress fumes. And so we're comparing ourselves to other people and thinking, should I do more? Do I need to do more? So it's hard to see those examples of calm because I believe our society is living in this very triggered, overstimulated state all the time. We don't really experience calm. We take one day off a week, max two days off a week, and then we're back at it. We never really have that opportunity to relax. So that's one thing. The other is we tend to wear busy as a badge of honor, right? We pride ourselves over being stressed. We think that the more that we do, the more that we accomplish, the more worthy and lovable that we are. So sometimes I find that people don't actually want to decrease their stress. They don't want to heal because they're wearing this busyness, this chaos, this stress, this over overwhelm as success. They're creating the assumption that the more busy they are, the more overworked they are, the more worthy they are, the more valuable they are. And sometimes it comes down to being loved, right? The more busy I am, the more people are going to appreciate me. The more I do for others, the more I'll be loved. So we often have this core belief that if we are constantly busy, if we are constantly overworked, overstimulated, then we are worthy of being respected. We are useful. We are valuable. So I often get my clients to just look at their maybe parents' lives or the people that they were with as they were growing up, particularly the same-sex parent. How did they view rest? How did they approach busyness in their life? How did they handle stress or challenges or obstacles in their day? Because often we are watching this and we form imprints. So if you're seeing your mom run around, always doing things for other people, always working, never taking time for herself, kind of this selfless attitude where everybody else is more important than her own mental, emotional, physical health. Maybe you watch her burn herself out and have a bunch of health challenges because she's always taking care of other people. Maybe you see her running herself dry and then ending up very bitter and burnt out about it. And so if we're watching this, then we, we form these imprints, we form these beliefs as well, that in order for me to be a good mother, wife, colleague, employee, team member, I have to push myself past the point of exhaustion, past the point of what is possible so that I am respected, valued, loved, right? We pick up these behaviors, we learn. I know growing up, I kind of viewed rest as weak. Right. I, I grew up on a farm. I it's like a fourth generation farm here. So my my family is very used to working hard and working hard to have everything that they have. And so the mentality was very much you don't rest, you've got to work harder. Rest is for the weak. Rest makes you, you know, less than rest, rest is not good. You should be guilty if you're resting. And so I kind of had that energy as I moved into adulthood of never stopping. There was always more to do, more to be, more to fix, more to have. And there was this rat race of always having to go after that next thing, which is great, right? I, I really 
admire the ambitious, the ambition in us. I admire my ambitious side of myself, but there has to be this energy of right now is enough too. This energy of moving into desires from a place of calm and ease, not moving into desires because we don't feel worthy and whole as we are. We, we, if we run into um, this issue of taking on more because we feel like we're not good enough as we are, now we're depleting. Now we're running into this issue of too much stress because we're saying yes to things and we're doing things not from alignment, not from passion, not from what excites us, because, but because we feel like we have to in order to be worthy. We have to in order to be valuable and we have to in order to be loved. So a thing that I, I'd like to get my clients to do is just look back at how you grew up, what were the, what were the thoughts, behaviors, imprints that maybe were formed around busy, around work. Maybe you had a parent that sacrificed everything for their work, right? Maybe that was the the example that you were seeing. Maybe you saw conflict in the family when your, your, one of your parental figures would take rest and what the other one would say to them. So I, I know a common theme often comes up is Partner, husband often gets home from work, sits on the couch to relax, and the maternal figure gives them a hard time. Like, I've been working all day. You should get up. You should do this, this, and this. And so as a kid, they're viewing that saying, if I rest, I'm going to get disciplined. If I rest, rest is bad. My mom's getting mad at my dad because rest is rest is bad. He should be up working. He should be up helping. There's conflict if I rest. And so that's the behaviors that we start modeling for ourselves. I got to come home from work and then do 500 things. If I sit down on the couch, then, you know, what does that really mean about me? Am I contributing? Am I worthy? Am I going to be loved? Am I going to cause conflict? So start to just recognize if that's a theme that's coming up. We often form these these stress wounds is what I call them, where we fall into the same patterns on how we handle stress and challenges throughout the day. So we want to look at where are our stress wounds from? How do we view stress? If you had a paternal or maternal figure that every time a challenge came up, an obstacle, she snapped, right? How did she handle stress? Because you're watching that and then often creating the same behaviors, the same patterns. Maybe this uh, maternal figure of yours would snap every time something didn't go right. Maybe someone forgot to take the garbage out. Maybe there was dirty socks on the floor. Maybe her partner, her spouse forgot to bring eggs home and she snapped. You're watching that and that becomes your response around stress too. So I, I like to do this exercise for myself where I start looking at the core stress wounds and I'll do another training on on triggers and how I move through triggers. But It's looking at examples of your life where you are getting really stressed out about things and you respond in a way that's maybe not the highest version of yourself. Let's just say you respond in that way. I take a moment to really look at why did that situation really trigger me? What's the core belief I have about it? If somebody is, let's say someone brings home the wrong toothpaste, right? And I snap, I'm so mad about it. I overreact to the, the, the seriousness of this situation. I'm going to really look at that example after I've calmed down and say, why did that evoke that kind of response in me? And maybe it was this feeling of not feeling seen, not feeling heard, asking your partner to go grab eggs and they don't, they don't listen to you. And maybe that triggers this memory of not being heard when you were a kid, feeling ignored, feeling like you had to always 
um, speak louder and louder to get your, your words across, but everyone was ignoring you, right? So now you've got this kind of wound, this core stress wound when people don't respect your time, when people don't fully hear you, when they forget something that you said. And so we respond from this triggered state. We respond from this core stress wound. So with stress, I like to think of it as four phases that we can go through. And so the first phase is this calm, safe, regulated state, right? We are in calm. We are in ease. We feel safe in our body. It's safe for us to connect other people. It's safe for us to go out in the world and live our lives and do things that we enjoy doing. We focus on desire and pleasure and play and creativity, connecting with other humans, having beautiful relationships, right? We feel calm. And when challenges come up and we're in this state, we respond to them with ease, okay? with grace, with spaciousness. So this is obviously the, the, the state we want to be in most of the time, or at least we want to know how to move back to this state. Now, the next phase is this overstimulation. And now you start to get quite irritable, right? Things are happening and you're feeling this irritability, this overwhelm, almost this strung out anxiety state where life is moving very quickly. Right? These are the women that tend to take on too much. There's never enough time. There's always more to do. We have a very hard time resting. We feel guilty resting. We start thinking about work as we're resting. It's hard for us to shut down. Our brain is often always going, always racing hard to sleep, hard to fall asleep. Sometimes you might wake up in the middle of the night, but overstimulation I find is quite snappy. The, the mood is quite irritable. Nothing is ever good enough. Conversations, if you have a conflict, the conversations don't tend to go well because your energy is very snappy. The other person gets very defensive and it creates not, it's just not a good communication vibe. So this is that overstimulation phase. There's a lot happening, a lot around you, and it feels like you're just running to keep up, often relying on coffee to give you that energy to keep going. So that's overstimulation. Now, if we spend too much time in overstimulation and we never learn how to move into calm, safety regulated, then eventually we, we end up in the exhaustion phase. And this is the next phase where energy is starting to tank. We're starting to feel tired. No matter how much sleep you get, it doesn't feel enough. Maybe you're not fully sleeping. Maybe you're waking up through the night. You just feel so tired and your mood is starting to, to drop. So in overstimulation, you were quite irritable, maybe a little bit anxious, overwhelmed, but now you're getting low mood. So anxiety, maybe a little bit of depression, maybe just not caring as much. Focus is, is lower. Motivation is lower. It's just a, a lower mood, a lower tone of life. Libido also drops quite a bit in this phase. So you're still able to function. You're able to move through your day, but it's this dragging your feet action that's, that's going on. You're quite tired. You're exhausted. You're moody. It's just not a fun vibe. Now, if on this phase, you can work to move back to calm, safe, regulated, if you really take the time to give your body rest. But a lot of times we don't do that. And so then we move into the last phase, which is collapse. And this is when we are, I, I call it the cortisol is completely flatlined. We have nothing in us. We are so low energy. We are just completely depleted. 
no motivation for anything. You're very apathetic. So the things that you used to care about in life, you just don't care about anymore. You could have a family member text you and say they've got engaged and you're like, big whoop. I don't really care. Your partner comes home with big news and you barely celebrate. You don't want to celebrate birthdays. You could care less about Christmas. It's a very low energy, low vibe. Now in exhaustion and collapse, you tend to move into this isolation because in the first phase, regulated, calm, safe, you want to connect with other people. But as the stress response starts building, you are essentially trying to move away from people and isolate. So now you're saying no to things. You're not doing passions or hobbies that you like to do. You are more inclined to stay home, read a book, be alone, watch Netflix than you are to actually connect with people. Maybe at the end of your day with your partner, instead of sitting down and, and talking, you turn on the TV, grab a bag of potato chips, grab a bottle of wine, and you just completely numb out. So this would be that exhaustion. And then the extreme state of this is collapse. I work with some of my clients who have been so, so burnt out in collapse that they've had to quit their jobs, right? They've had to, um, they've ended their marriages because they've been so tired and they just didn't have the energy to fight anymore. So it can get quite severe. And the goal of this is to, I mean, a perfect world is you catch it quickly and then you move back to calm, safe, regulated. I don't, I don't necessarily believe that the goal is to be calm 24 seven. I mean, if you won the lottery and you took off to this beautiful Island and you didn't have a worry ever again, then maybe, but for a lot of us, this is, this is not the reality and things come up, right? You get death of a loved one, the death of a pet, a family illness, a challenge with a friend, like things happen. And so I don't necessarily believe that the goal is to be calm 24 seven, but it's to be able to, to, have the tools and learn how to move into that calm, safe, regulated state as quickly as possible. So in the past for me, I would, I would be, actually, I don't even know if I was ever calm, safe or regulated ever. I was mostly overstimulated. And then that overstimulation would build and I'd end up in exhaustion and then eventually collapse. And I never had the tools to be able to move out of it. So I would spend months in collapse, couldn't get out of bed, couldn't focus on school. I was just barely scraping by until I gave my body the chance months later to heal so that I was back in that overstimulation phase again. So ideally, a perfect scenario is we, we know what calm, safe, regulated feels like. We know the tools to be there in our day. And then there's going to be moments in life that you move into overstimulation, maybe an intense period at work, we've got this project coming up. Maybe it's a house move. Maybe um, another baby came into your household. So there's a period of overstimulation, but then you can move back into calm, safe, regulated, right? Within the month, sometimes I try to get back in there every single day so that, you know, at least you're moving into that space, but uh, being unable to, to move back into to calm, safe, regulated, we end up in overstimulation for so long, then we move into exhaustion. And once we're in exhaustion, it's harder to get back to that calm, safe, regulated state. So we need to take the time to heal, but we don't, right? We just try to push through it. We think one more week of this, one more week of this. 
And then we end up in collapse. And once we're in collapse, we really have to focus on healing. So my goal is for everyone to understand what phase that they're in and then be able to have the tools to move back into calm, safe, regulated. If you're in exhaustion, to be able to move out of that to heal fairly quickly, if you ever end up in collapse, hopefully not because you catch it early, at least you have the tools to be able to heal a lot quicker. So just as a recap for these, calm and regulated, we can handle obstacles and challenges throughout the day with ease. We prioritize connection and intimacy. When we're in overstimulated, now we're irritable, overwhelmed, emotional. We often rely on coffee. We never feel well-rested. That doing energy, nothing is ever good enough. There's always more to do, always more to fix. And then you have exhausted. So we're starting to go down. Trouble falling asleep, staying asleep. You don't want to be touched. Libido is in the gutter. Often this anxiety or low mood, unmotivated, very much dragging your feet throughout the day. Often this is the energy of like not really caring about what we look like or how we present anymore. So it's, I haven't showered in a month. <laughs> I'm wearing the same pants that I wore two weeks ago. That's the energy. And then we move into collapse. And this is the apathetic, no interest, no concern over anything. We can barely get out of bed. We don't have the energy for anything at all. And like I mentioned, I've worked with some clients who are in the lowest of lowest places where they've had to go on a leave for their job, quit their job. They've ended partnerships over it. So it is quite severe and debilitating on our quality of life. So how does this all relate to weight gain, right? So stress impacts everything and it's going to sabotage your ability to lose weight. So this increase of cortisol actually affects our blood sugar. And this is that, what I call the fat storing hormone, because when we have an imbalance in blood sugar, the body's very much primed to store onto fat instead of burning it for energy. So we've got an issue with blood sugar when cortisol is elevated. And it also causes this inflammatory response in the body. So the cortisol is basically saying we are unsafe. It's going to spike inflammatory cytokines in our body. And we're going to get this systemic inflammation. So the body's in this not safe, hot, inflamed state. We have sleep disturbances often with cortisol, right? Have you ever had a moment where you're going through something stressful in your life and it's hard for you to fall asleep at night, right? Your brain is running, like going through worst case scenarios. You're going through all the possible things that could go wrong. You're, you're replaying it in your head. You're ruminating about it. So it's hard to fall asleep. And then often you'll wake up often between the hours of two and four, you'll, you'll wake up and, and start ruminating again. It's hard to get back to sleep. And we know if there's sleep disturbances, that's going to affect everything as well. We have decreased nutrient absorption. So it's going to affect our gut. It's affecting how we get nutrients out of food to be able to support our hormones and metabolism. And it also decreases gut immunity. It makes us more prone to food sensitivities because we get gut dysbiosis, increased permeability, all that inflammation, decreased nutrient absorption. So now we're not able to get the nutrients we need from food. And we have even more inflammation because we're being um, hit with these food sensitivities. Now, in terms of our, our thyroid, when we have elevated cortisol, it stops us from making and converting the thyroid hormone we need. So we have a lower metabolic rate. 
hunger hormones are impacted as well. And then it also impacts our ability to detox. So you can see all of these things come together to affect our ability to lose weight. And it's why stress is such an important component of a weight loss program, because you could be eating the perfect amount of calories. You could be, you could be having the perfect macros. You could be exercising every day, but if stress is out of control, you're going to have a very hard time, if not impossible time losing weight. And so for myself, when I, when I really made this cue and, and started to understand this concept, I was someone who was, I'd gained 30 pounds. Um, and I went into overdrive with exercise. I was doing two hours of CrossFit a day. I would then go do an hour yoga class later. I was working at a CrossFit gym. So I was doing CrossFit classes at five in the morning. And so not getting enough sleep. I was doing two hours of CrossFit classes coaching. And then I would do my two hour training. And then I would go to school for six to eight hours. I felt naturopathic medical school was very stressful. <laughs> I thought it was incredibly stressful. I came from a history of being a straight A student. I never failed. I always exceeded. I prided myself on being someone that was successful and succeeding in top of the class. And I really struggled through, through naturopathic medical school because I was in this phase where I wanted to work 25 hours a week being a CrossFit coach. I then also wanted to train 10 hours a week. So on top of a 40 hour schedule, I was doing 25 of work, another 10 to try to compete and be the best of the best at CrossFit. And then I was just moved back to Toronto. So I was also trying to have a social life going out on the weekends, partying quite late into the night, which was impacting my sleep. So I was very much in this overstimulation phase. I was already busy. I was already stressed out. And the exercise was just contributing to more stress. And my body was begging me to calm down. It was begging me to just stop the CrossFit and go to yoga. It was saying, you know, you, you're putting yourself through all this stress. We were going through midterms every six weeks where you'd have nine to 12 exams in a one week time frame, And that was a lot of pressure. So my body was asking me to slow down and I kept ignoring it because I wore busy as a badge of honor. I thought the more that I packed onto my day, the more successful I was, the more I was able to do, the more valuable it was, the more I rested, I was weak. The more I rested, I was unvaluable and unworthy. And this was the coding, the wounds that I had around stress. And so I would just pack on more to do. When I had that, that cue that I needed to, to calm down, I needed to do more yoga. Instead of just giving up the CrossFit classes, I went and did another hour of yoga. <laughs> so instead of just two hours of exercise, I added on for three hours total a day. And that is insane when I think back to it, but that was my mentality that, okay, I need stress releasing stuff. So I'm just going to add on something into my day instead of looking at, okay, what can you take away? Why are you pushing yourself so hard? Why is every single hour of your day accounted for? So when I really started to lean into this energy, like I was petrified of giving up CrossFit. I was scared that if I missed a session, I would become a balloon and like float away. Yes, I'm very dramatic, but that's what my brain thought. I was petrified of it. And when you're in this state of overstimulation, your brain is worst case scenario primed. It is going to go there. When you're calm, safe, regulated, you manage things easier. You manage challenges easier. But when you're overstimulated, exhausted, collapsed, 
Worst case scenarios are running through your head. You're just imagining the fear. Your body is anchored into fear and lack because you're primed for danger instead of being primed for safety and calmness. So I was imagining myself, you know, ballooning, giving up CrossFit. And I I remember the day, I remember the day so clearly when I said, I have to change something. I don't, I don't feel good. I'm so tired. My skin's a mess. I'm so puffy. I need to start switching things. And when I did it, I was shocked, just shocked at how my body started really responding. I remember the first time I saw my abs, I was like, what is this magical thing? Where did these come from? I remember the energy I got back, the brain clarity. I felt like I had superpowers. It was incredible. So the signs were there all along, but it was hard to listen to them when when you're just programmed that stress is associated with value and stress is associated with worth. So what really helped me is going through these phases, these five phases that I'm going to talk about. And the first one is assessing where I'm at, right? Am I, sorry, in a calm, regulated state most of the time? Do I even know what that means? I've never been there for my whole life. So no. Am I in overstimulation majority of the day? Am I in exhaustion? Am I in Am I in collapse? Because each of these four phases requires something very, very different, right? I can't have a client who is overstimulated do the exact same thing as someone who is in collapse. It's a very different treatment protocol. So it's being aware of what phase I'm in and if I'm able to be in that phase and move into safety, calm, regulated very quickly. So that's step one. Step two is looking at and really healing that core stress wound. So this may be um, looking at moments throughout your day where you get quite overwhelmed and irritable and connecting them to the, the belief, the imprint that you have about that situation. And this is a lifelong journey. It never ends. There's going to be other things that come up to trigger you. So it's something that I actually do every day is look at where did I get really stressed out today and what is the thought and belief and imprint and subconscious reprogramming I have around that situation that causes me to respond to that. And then over time, if I do this work deep enough, I don't get triggered by the things that don't matter, right? I'm not getting so heightened about small, minuscule things. I'm able to move through challenges easier. So I start healing that core stress wound. I look at how my parents approach stress, their job, their ability to rest. And I see if I'm holding on to any conditioning about that. Then I'm going to start releasing some of the stress triggers that I have. So stress triggers could be the exercise we're doing, the food, our environment, people around us, situations we put ourselves in. So I'm going to start looking at where are my stress triggers? And they could be anything from what we eat to what we're doing, to who we're being, to the thoughts, the people that we're around. And I'm starting to release some of them to give my body a chance to heal. Then I do um, some sort of self-soothing or stress relief um, exercises. So every day we want to look at how we can move ourselves back into calm, safety, and regulation. And so this might be certain supplements that I do. I I always recommend supplements while we're healing from from stress because they give your body, some supplements will give your body this this, uh, hug. It's like a hug of support that I find very beneficial and crucial to, to just take the edge off, right? Take the edge off while we allow ourselves to heal. Now it's important to, to share that the supplements 
isn't the only part of the healing journey. Because if you're just taking the supplements without actually doing the work to heal that core stress wound, the supplements are a band-aid. The supplements take the edge off, but they're not fully going to heal you. They're just going to take that stress response a little bit down so that you can do the work to heal those stress wounds. So I give my body support, supplements, the right nutrition protocol, the right exercise protocol, and certain self-soothing techniques. And then the last phase of this is learning how to anchor into safety. So we want to be anchored into safety the majority of our day. Safety, calm, regulated. And then there's going to be situations in life that come up that might take that anchor and just move it into overstimulation. But then you know what you need to do to move back to safety again. You might be in overstimulation for a little bit too long. Maybe it's Christmas time and you've taken on too much. It's a lot of chaos, a lot of busyness. And then you end up in January in this exhaustion phase but you're still anchored in safety. So you know what you need to do to move back into safety again. This is what we want to be able to move in and out, but always return to home base, our anchor, our roots. We're grounded in that safe, calm place. And this is why the work to assessing where we're at, what phase we're at, healing the core stress wound, surrounding ourselves with safe, supportive Um, protocols like supplements or self-soothing tactics will just help us and also sorry um, removing the core stress triggers that are around us this all helps to just anchor us into safety in a big way all right my loves I'm going to wrap up this conversation I hope that this was incredibly useful and of course anytime that you're looking for more help and support around this I have the seven-day weight loss workshop that I'm running For March 2nd, I also have McPherson Method saying to release our weight loss protocol with a high level of support and accountability. And then I will be launching my Meta Woman course very soon, which is my stress release protocol. And it's a self-paced program. So thank you for being here. I love you so much. And I'll see you in the next series for this weight loss series.